Well, hello everyone and welcome along to episode 12 of Switch of Play. And I'm delighted to say that uh, my co-host this week, uh, we're, we're changing it up, a substitution's been made and Mark Tinkler's on his Lincoln <laughs> Baron for, for one week only. Um, hello Tinks, how are you doing? Hiya Mark, I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah, I've been subbed a few times out of the course, so it doesn't make much difference to Naila. Um, you, so. you never came on at right back though, did you, for Mickey? Um, I don't think so, he might have come on midfield for me. Oh, he, he actually did. <laughs> I think he started against Hull and he scored a beauty, I think. Did he start in midfield that game? He did, centre midfield, I did, yeah. yeah. So I think I was suspended or injured and he started and he scored a great goal. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think Mickey's, uh, I think he's away in Cornwall, I think he said. Um, so yeah, he asked us, well, you and you and Mick asked us to step in. So I said, yeah, no problem. And it's it's been, I know you've, you've obviously been on as a guest yourself, but they've been a lot of fun, haven't they? And the feedback we've got has been, been pretty good. You enjoyed it when you came on, I think, didn't you? Yeah, the, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it was, it's great. It's great looking back over your, over your time in Atlanta, all over your career and, and talking. Obviously, you and Mickey have um, got a good idea of what went on in Atlanta. But, um, yeah, it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. And I've listened to, I've, I haven't listened to Tommy's yet. I've not, right. uh, but I've listened to Tommy's in the next, next few days. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great. I've listened to every, everybody else. It's been fantastic. Um, I think the, the fans really enjoy it because it, it gives them a good insight into what goes on behind the scenes at times and um, how the players are feeling and, and um, yeah. going, to, going through the season and, and different emotions and obviously other things that go on in, in the football environment, which is, which is really good for the fans and obviously for players to talk about as well. And what can we expect tonight? Because I know I was messaging you, you know, a week or two ago saying like, right, if coming on as the co-host, who should we get as the guest? And you said, what about the big Greek? <laughs> I did, yeah. I think I think it'd just be interesting to hear Demi's story. Um, obviously, he was at Hartlepool for I think was it four 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 years. I think four years. It was. Yeah, yeah. Four years. Um, just to see where he come from. Obviously, living in Greece, growing up in Greece, and how we ended up becoming to Hartlepool, and um, obviously going back to to AK Athens, and then coming back and obviously uh, reigniting his career really at Middlesbrough. Yeah, so yeah. it'd just be interesting for the fans to say about that and. I'm sure with Dimmy's got plenty of stories of him and Joel and coming up in the train. And he's, <laughs> there was, was a big theme, wasn't there? What was it? What do you call the car again? The Deal. Joel's car. Deal, that's it. <laughs> he's got a few stories of that, so it'll be interesting to uh, Dimmy's take on that. <laughs> well, without further ado, welcome to Switch of Play, Dimmy. Constantopoulos, Dimmy, good evening, how are you? Hello, I'm very good, how are you? Good to be oh, here. Thanks, I'm good. We've got the co-host Tinks with us tonight as well, who you, you shared many happy years with. Uh, what were you two like as teammates? You, you got on really well, didn't you? Yeah, we <laughs> fine, fine, me and We had a few barnies about his kicking at times, but um, other than that, we were fine. <laughs> oh, wow, like as a teammate? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was good, mate. I remember one incident. Tranmere away, the second uh, leg, where you missed the fucking penalty as well, by the way. Come uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, on, my, Jim, I've, I've put that to the back of my mind now. <laughs> more seriously, he came on, right? He gave the free kick away. We conceded the first goal. And he, he missed the penalty. And before that, he cleared the ball before I caught it. And I said to him, Tim, for fuck's sake. And he went, I can't fucking hear. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was my best um, twenty minutes of um, Artie Pool career. I tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ninety seconds in, he's coming for you here, Tiggs already. 
Oh, I should be careful. I've got some stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, Timmy, just tell us a little bit about your, your life at the minute. I mean, how is, you know, what you're up to? How is the lockdown affecting things for you? And, and, and how have you been coping with it with your family and everything? Yeah, it's been weird, like everyone, mate. Um, I've been a professional for 23 years. And being involved at clubs, it's, it's a bit, uh, it was a bit strange before when I... Uh, before the, lock, the lockdown, you could go out and train, and uh, you know, I was training with Hollywood for for a bit. Uh, you know, it, it felt all right. It was still active. It just you know, all of a sudden, you have to stay in, and you know, when you especially when you have little kids as well, yeah. that they need to be entertained constantly. It was difficult for them. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's like a transitional period for me. Uh, just doing my coaching, but just uh, trying to finish them, but obviously lockdown. Set that back a, a bit, um, yeah. And I'm I'm just looking forward to to start again something, you know, like being involved in football uh, in some capacity. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you can't do much about it. I just you know, just just try to be a, a human. Uh, uh, what you call it? Play area for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just just yeah, wait for things to change. It'd be tough, uh, obviously, parents who've got little ones to try and keep them occupied. Dim one, I think, all this time, oh, especially man, if you're only man. small and um, four or five year old and stuff. It's tough. It's isn't it? my, my kids are nine and four. Yeah, it's zoo, the house is an absolute zoo. Uh, but <laughs> we made it so far. I think we'll survive now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, just, sorry, Mark. Just want to ask you, how far along, how far along are you with your with your badges now? I'm just uh, on the assessment on the, the B to finish it. Uh, I was supposed to do it uh, before the summer, but obviously you can't do a lockdown with the academies closed and everything. Yeah. So I'm just waiting to, for the academies to open so I can do the last uh, two assessment sessions. The, the examiner, um, Topi, said, uh, you know, I can still do anything, you know, start somewhere and he'll just yeah. vouch for it, you know, that where I'm at. And obviously, yeah. it's better to have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So is that where your future lies now in the coaching, Dimmy? Is, is have you officially retired from playing, or are you still looking to to play on at this time? Or where's the future life? You know. Well, you know, I, at my age, obviously, I, I feel I feel all right still. I, I think I could I could still play, but if you leave it for a, for a certain period of time, sort of, it's not easy to get back into it. And uh, you know, unless something dramatic happens, I can't see me like playing uh, again so coaching is the next thing i would uh, focus on because as i said it's football has been a way of life uh, and uh, i can't i can't think of myself not being involved in football in some capacity is that something that's always been on your mind i know you said you're taking your badges now but is it is even when you were playing was was coaching something that you thought you know one day i might i might go into that yeah yeah of course that that was the the idea all along, not, not like a plan, because things change a lot in football. But it was the, the idea all along. You know, as you as you go further in your career, you gain experience. You work with different coaches and different managers, and you try to pick things uh, from them. And I was lucky enough to work with a lot of good managers and uh, a lot of good coaches, and um, lucky to play uh, in England. I play in Greece. I play different countries, different philosophies. So. I think that will help me uh, 
in that aspect. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just a matter of starting somewhere and getting the focus again and trying to, you know, climb up uh, slowly uh, and see what comes of it. Just, just going back to where, just go, sorry, Mark. Yeah. Just going, just going back to where you started, Dim, obviously in Greece. How did you end up, um, obviously, I know you played for a couple of clubs in Greece. How did you end up coming to Hartlepool and what was that um, journey like? Oh, man, it's a, it's a proper book. But if it comes out in a movie, it'll be bestseller. I was, I was, I was playing in uh, uh, in Greece, but I always said the back because I watched uh, English football. I was a Man United fan because of Peter Schmeichel, uh, and I always wanted to end up in England. At the time, I was in Spain. I was uh, trialing for a second division club in Spain in the summer. Everything was going well. I was in five-star hotel. They were picking me up every day. They offered me a deal, and an, an agent rang me um, one night. Said, uh, "There's a club in uh, England. We want to have a look at you." I said, "What's the club?" He said, "Hartlepool United." I said, "Hartlepool, Liverpool. How different can it be?" So I just left early in the morning, five in the morning. The hotel caught up a train, went to the airport. The, the, the guys from the Spanish club they were looking for me. <laughs> Got a train. Never said anything to anyone. Got on the plane. Landed in Teesside Airport. Um, you know, pick me up. Uh, Moza picked me up, the physio. Yeah, yeah. All right, John. <laughs> yeah, John picked me up. He took me to Seaton Carew. He put me in the, um, the Norton Hotel, a B&B. And as I, I walked in, and I thought, what the fuck have you done? <laughs> <laughs> what, so it wasn't like your five-star hotel in Spain? <laughs> no, no, I had a contract, man. I was... Yeah. Uh, I was all, it was all sorted. They offered me five star hotel. I went in northern. I remember I was sitting in the, on the bed, and I, I could close the, the the bathroom door with my leg from the bed. And I was thinking, Jimmy, fuck me. No, but you had a sea view though, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it was a real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the owners were Howard, Howard and Sue. I stayed there for about six months, and they, they nearly adopted me. Um, bless them, they were really nice. Uh, they had a dog called Chloe. Seriously, we were a family. <laughs> Brilliant. So, why, why did you make that move, Dim? Why did you cho choose Hartlepool yeah. over uh, obviously the club in Spain? Because I, I wanted to, to play in England. You know, yeah. I had the, that bug inside me that I wanted to try in England. And, uh, you know, I liked the, you know, to see four stadiums and I liked the, the way the, um, the grounds were like compact and tight and all that, and I like to to try. So yeah, I got a bag of my bag of clothes. I got on the plane. I landed in, in Hartlepool. <laughs> what were your first impressions of Hartlepool? And when you when you arrived, obviously the Norton Hotel has been mentioned week on week in this podcast. Not loads of players stayed there, but what were your first impressions of the town and then the the stadium as well? Do you know? Do you know what? Back then, I was sort of crazy and. I was young and I, I didn't care anything about the football. And everything looked all right to me. I remember I was getting, uh, I was getting about 150 quid a week <laughs> in an envelope. Uh, and I remember going out and thinking after, obviously you spend like 30 quid and I was, I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm rich here, you know. I'm not spending anything, it's all, it's all so cheap. And uh, I liked the ground, you know, I watched a couple of games. 
Uh, and I was telling to my family when they were ringing me, yeah, yeah, it's all perfect, fantastic. And someone was picking me every day from the Norton Hotel to go on the training ground. And back in, I didn't know anyone, no one knew me. It was brilliant. <laughs> you know, even on that trial spell, I'll never, it, it always sticks in my head. Is you, we had a, a painting commission, didn't we, to do of the ground? Someone commissioned a painting. And they must have taken a photo in a game. I think we were playing against Sheffield Wednesday. I think you're in the painting actually as well, Tinks. You're you're jumping for the ball to head the ball or something. But Dimmy, you're in the crowd, aren't you? Because you were there watching the game and you, there's the painting <laughs> in the boardroom with, with oh, the crowd that, watching the game. Yeah, that was my first my first sight in the Hollywood United ground. <laughs> <laughs> you must have thought it was Chewbacca in the in the ground with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cooper came up with that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about when you, you know, you, you first went into the dressing room? That must have been, was it quite a daunting thing to go into a, a dressing room and, you know, in a different country? And I know you've done it before to go to Spain, but to come to England, was it, was it quite a nerve-wracking experience? Um, no, not really, because uh, obviously I was in Spain before and I couldn't speak good Spanish and I, I didn't have a problem. And I could speak English when I came here, apart from when I, when I was speaking to Neil Cooper. Because I couldn't understand what he was saying, <laughs> but you know it wasn't it wasn't a problem for me. It just it was uh, a bit strange because I left uh, a club which was um, quite good uh, financially and facilities were really good, and I came to Harlepool back then. We're training Hawthorne College, and we're uh, changing in. Uh, I don't know what 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 was that things like the little room that we were changing in. I was actually changing the toilet because there was no other room. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was really small, wasn't it? And some of us yeah, had to change yeah. change around the corner and, and either in the shower. I was in the, the toilet next to, right next next to, to the toilet. Shitter. I was sitting in the shitter to put my, my boots on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that was a bit strange. But as I said, I didn't care. I just wanted to play football, and you know, I was I was fine. I was buzzing in training. Uh, I, I didn't, you know. Now, if you if, if that happened now, it'd be like looking at every detail back then. You know, when you're young, you only want to play. You don't really care much about anything else. And it was when you struck up a, a really good friendship, wasn't it, I suppose, with Joel, who came... Was he, Did he have the same agent as you, or did he just happen to be at the same time as you when he arrived at the club? No, no, we had the same agent. Uh, Greek-Australian guy. Uh, and Joel came after me about, I don't know, about a month after me, or a few weeks. And uh, we're staying there in the, in the hotel, and we started obviously bonding, and we, you know, we were having laughs and stuff. And then Joe's family came uh, with uh, his, his missus and the, and the baby, and uh, you know, it was a, it was good times. Like it was making the the time obviously pass easier, you know, having someone else who was as new as you at a club, uh, and obviously the same way flanked as you. It was pretty, pretty exciting. <laughs> I remember you were playing in the reserves together, weren't you, Joel? And it was quite, you know, you, when you were trialing, you were playing in the reserves. And I think we said this the other week that Joel was going down as God knows who because you weren't you were only allowed to play a certain amount of trial games and then you couldn't play anymore. So the club would just. I, get, I think James Winter almost got a move on the back of your performances for the reserves, didn't he? <laughs> My, my first appearance was I came in at halftime as James Winter. At York, I think. 
<laughs> it didn't look anything like you either, by the way. No, people no. were saying, Jesus <laughs> Christ, James has put, has put some height on. <laughs> he was blonde, skinny, and thingy. <laughs> Brilliant. But obviously, that must have been a great moment when it must have made it feel a little bit worthwhile when, when you did earn your deal at Hartlepool and, and put pen to paper. Yeah, yeah, of course. Initially, uh, I signed like a six month from where we were to the end of the season. Yeah. And then the end of the season came and signed a proper contract. But, you know, you, you could you could see I liked it there. I liked the atmosphere. I was, I was lucky to be at the time where Harley United were really good. We had an unbelievable uh, squad uh, from playing ability to characters in the dressing room. And uh, that made it a lot easier. And obviously, when you're uh, doing well as a club, uh, it's, it's easy for players to, to want to, you know, keep being there or try to, to earn a contract. And uh, yeah, I just I got a contract at first, and then my, my sights were to, to start playing to be number one. Obviously, that came after. What were your first impressions than Tinks when, when Dimmy walked in? You know, obviously, what, can you remember your first impressions of him as a, as a guy and a, and a keeper? I thought it was a coach. I'm as bad as Mick with, with me uh, memory, but um, <laughs> I remember the, the big the big great coming in and um, everybody, obviously, we didn't know Dimmy at the time, but we thought, oh, he's, a, he's a big keeper. Because Jim, Jim the keeper at the time wasn't, wasn't the biggest, but Jim Jim was like agile and a good, good shot stopper. Um, so it was, a, it was a bit of a, a contest at the start for, for, for Dimmy and, and Jim to try and get that number one jersey. I just want to ask, Dim, how was your relationship with Jim? Was you, did you have a good relationship with each other? Yeah, we, we, we got along. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, when you uh, in, a, in a dressing room, you you sort of you identify people who you can be closer to. Uh, you get along with everyone, unless someone is a is a you know an idiot. Uh, but uh, you get along with everyone, but it's not. It was our relationship. wasn't It wasn't the type of guy I could go on a night out. You know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's not. But in training, we was fine. We had pros there who made everything uh, really uh, enjoyable training with him, uh, and we were competing. Uh, just you know, sometimes Jim was a bit bitter about things. Oh, <laughs> I think it says before. Am I right, Mark? Jim got player the year. Um, players player did, of the year. Yeah, two thousand three, four. Yeah, when he replaced Anthony Williams, he was player of the year. Yeah, that year. That's right. Yeah. When you had to be quite patient, didn't you, Jimmy? To be fair. Yeah, of course. You know, you had to. You, he was, he was doing really well at the time, and uh, I had to to wait for my chance. Uh, but but I knew, you know, I've done it many times in my career. Uh, when you when you're not playing, all you can do is just keep working and wait for your chance and, and take it. And obviously, a chance came, and you know, I, I got the number one spot. It's uh, it's, it's it's a nature of the position. I, I, I always think this about goalkeepers because everywhere else on the pitch, there's usually a, you know a handful of positions up for grabs. But with goalkeepers, it literally is only you or him. Usually, the two keepers challenging. So you work on each other, and you've got to be professional during the week because it's it's a big part of your role is to to, to work with the other goalkeeper, isn't it? To, to get your training done during the week. But when you're sitting on the bench and he makes a rick, are you sort of thinking? My chance might come now. <laughs> sometimes you, you, when that happens, sometimes you think that 
everyone's standing and looking at you at the time, so you you have to keep a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can be you can be happy, obviously, when when um, well, I wasn't when the, the your team plays and you, the keeper that plays concedes a bad goal. You can't really be happy. Uh, you can you can use it later, you know, uh, for the manager to say, look, he's done this and uh, I deserve a chance. But it's it's about the team, really, at the time. You know, if, you, if your team concedes, you can't you can be happy, even if you play or not, I don't think. How did you get along with... Um, was, was Prud the goalkeeper coach, Jim, when you were there? Prud? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was Prud with you, was he? Well, top man. Prud was, was a real character. I played up um, down at um, at South End for a year and a half. Because we both lived obviously in the North East and he used to come home at weekends. But I like to obviously go back on a, on a, sometimes on a Sunday night if I came back on a Saturday. But Prud wanted to go back on a, on a Monday morning. So he used to pick us up at three o'clock in the morning, drive down to South End to get there for training. And Prud's, Prud's as stiff as a board. He, wasn't he? He had that. He's still a dodgy hip now because he's a he's a goalkeeping coach at Sunderland. And I see yeah. him there down the eighteens, and he he walks with a limp when he's got his hip. When he he's still volume balls into the goalkeepers, but he was he, he just wanted to pick us up at three o'clock in the morning, drive down on a Monday morning. But he, he had to get a wheelchair to get him out the car. So he was that stiff when he <laughs> couldn't believe it. I remember I remember when uh, when Mike Newell was in charge. I don't know if you remember this thing. So when Mike Newell was in charge. He organised a day out, an afternoon out for the lads at the brewery, the, up above the brewery in, in town. Oh, yeah. and, and Pruds was there. Yeah. And I, I, for some reason, I got an invite. Yeah. I was there. And Pruds, I'll never forget it, right? He, I, don't know, I think it was his party trick. He used to get people in headlocks, didn't he? <laughs> and he got me in a I was in a headlock for about 15 minutes. He used to try and put you asleep. He was, that <laughs> he, was a, he was a nightmare, honestly, an absolute nightmare. He, was, he used he to a, live in his car, basically, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was a great guy. And I yeah, think he's a, he's a good go getting coach, Jim, wasn't he? Yeah, he's very good. He's very good. He's very, uh, uh, he, he, he forms great relationship with, with the keepers that he, uh, because of his character, obviously. Mm -hmm. But he knows his stuff. Uh, I think he, he helped me massively. From coming to to England, obviously from my steps, from my first steps, from my first few years, you know, I got I got a few things from from Prods, and it yeah. makes you, you know, sort of preserves your confidence. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because goalkeeping positions, it's a lot about confidence and about mentality, and uh, I think he does a good job on this. And you know, I think he does. That's why they have him at Sunderland because he can bring obviously talent forward, like as he did with uh, Jordan Pickford. Yeah. Was was goalkeeping always your thing then, Dimmy? Back in Greece when you were, were you, when you were growing up, were you always wanting to be a footballer, and were you always wanting to be a goalkeeper? Um, yeah, well, see, when you're at school, uh, you play in every position, really. You know, you you run about. There's no really position you just chase after a ball. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I uh, I started looking at goalkeepers because my dad used to take me to watch uh, football games. And I, I, I was looking at goalkeepers and I liked, you know, diving about. And that's, yeah. that's what I did as a kid. <laughs> uh, so at some point I persuaded my dad to take me to the juniors team when I was about eight. And uh, since then, I just, you know, I never thought about any other position. You know, I, 
fell in love with the position really, you know, covered in mud and back then we used to, we used to play in gravel. There was right. no grass in, in, in Greece. And uh, I remember my mom, she, she still says it. She, after, after a session, a tra training or a game, she used to put my clothes in the, to wash them in the, in the bathtub. And obviously dirt and blood would come out with it because, <laughs> because of, you know, all your skin out to rush out on someone, uh, someone's legs. You leave half your skin on the floor. <laughs> you don't care really about that, do you? And was it always about the football? And was there ever any time when you thought, if I don't make it as a footballer, I'm going to go into this? Um, you know, any, any other career that would have taken your fancy? Oh, it's always been sports. I, I was, uh, by the time until I was 15 years old, I was playing football and basketball at the same time. Basketball is pretty big in uh, And I was quite good at it. Uh, and I didn't actually know which way to go. But then I got involved with... Um, uh, national team in uh, football, uh, in the you know like the the juniors uh, tournaments, and obviously I thought that was the the right way for me to go at the time. But I still I still enjoy playing basketball, uh, and I, I've always I don't know if you, you if you had that thing when you were growing up. When I was a kid, I remember now. Obviously, there's been I played with uh, thousands of other kids, who they all wanted to be professional. It didn't once cross my mind that I wasn't going to become a professional. I was thinking back then, that's what I like to do. That's what I'll be doing. And now, obviously, I realize it's, you know, it's, I'm very lucky to have had that career. And there's many uh, kids that growing up want to be professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, not many make it. Uh, but, but back then, I was like, yeah, that's, that's the normal thing to do. You know, it's like a, getting a promotion. You go from rank to rank. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been pretty lucky, I think. Yeah, I think I think as kids, I think it's I think it's, it's not all young players now, but quite a few lot, uh, young players. I think in our day, we wanted to be footballers because we wanted to play in the FA Cup final because we used to watch it on TV and we wanted to want to play in the in Division One or the Premier League as it is now or play for your country. And you used to I used to be out there under the streetlights and tell me mum call us in on a night yeah. and love love playing football. And I, I think we still do now. I still try and join in with the lads, even though <laughs> I'm slower than I ever have been. You know, I'll never get to hear them. You weren't the fastest back then, mate. <laughs> yeah, I've said this before, I was deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just loved, loved the game, and obviously I still do now. But as a, as a kid growing up, it was every night and just playing football, and it wasn't about the money or the big hours or what comes with it or, or the fame. It was just about loving playing playing the game and loving playing football um and that's what it was about i think when when i was when i was a young young lad growing up um i had i remember we were playing at a uh we had a pitch near our house it was it was wonky like proper like proper downhill and we used to put goals on the width of it but if you played on one one side you know if you chase the ball to get back up you <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you went in golden. Yeah, after a while, I, I, I can't be bothered to go running. <laughs> I never liked running. Tink, Tinks will tell you, I hate oh, running. Man. Jimmy was like, Boydy, couldn't run. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that forest run at uh, Hawthorne College. Jesus. It felt like, it felt like, a, like two days for me. I remember, you know, 
one time we start running and the slower one start fast. So I start fast with a couple others. And after about two minutes, trigger goes past me, like flying. I was already knocking. He goes to me, take the hand, the handbrake off him. <laughs> <laughs> Not like does that. <laughs> yeah, he loved running him. Oh, he could, he could run all day, Darrell. Like humps and swains in them. Yeah. yeah. That was his favourite day, wasn't it? Swains, the forest run day. Yeah, yeah. Or the track. Yeah, he's like Forrest Gump, Swains. <laughs> Tinks, remember the, the first time Coops took us to uh, do the, the 800s or was it the, the laps? On the, the track. track. Yeah. yeah. I pulled out. <laughs> I was still in that I was, day. <laughs> and I was still on trial. <laughs> I remember a few years after you, Nobby Solano was playing for Hartlepool and they were doing running and I think he did like a couple of laps of running and then he went, no, no, I'm not a horse. He <laughs> <laughs> just walked off, I'm not a horse. That was it, yeah. end of session for him. Uh, <laughs> so Dimmy, just taking you back to Hartlepool and then that, that chance you took, I, obviously it, it took a little bit of a couple of bites of the cherry, didn't it? You, you came in and made your debut in the cup against Macclesfield. What were your memories of you? Your very first game? Uh, we won, didn't we? Yeah, we won 2-1, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a, it was a good experience. For me, it was a, I was buzzing because I got to play my first game in, uh, in England. And, uh, you know, as I said, I, I was very uh, impressed uh, with the whole atmosphere in, in English football and the grounds and the... You know how you play the game, the pace of the game, and stuff. Yeah, so I was just buzzing to get the, the first game. I thought, you know, it's, it's a good chance for me to to show what I can do, really. And uh, yeah, it, it was a start. Uh, then it took a little while longer to get established as a number one. But uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was a great experience for me. Is is it true? I don't know if you I don't know if you remember this or whether this is just false information fed to me, but. Is it true, you, you, you played in the next league game and then I think Neil Cooper left you out after that. Is it true you went and knocked on his door and, and asked him about it after that? I played, I think I played um, two games in a row. No, yeah, yeah two games in a row. And uh, one game we got, I can't remember if that was it. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think you played against, um, was it Wrexham on the Saturday, I think. And, and, and after you'd made your debut, you played in the next game and we won again, 2-1. But then you didn't play for another month. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, he just, uh, just dropped me and uh, he said to approach because I missed a couple of uh, crosses uh, coming out. And I didn't say anything like that. You know, I thought I wasn't happy, but I, I thought, yeah, well, it's a matter of choice. And then after that, I remember the game, which one we got a bit 6-4? Six, six, oh, yeah, that was against Wrexham as well, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it, was a, it was a nightmare of a game. And the next game, Coops put the same exact theme apart from me. And I was angry. I, I, went to his, I spoke to this agent that I had back then. And I, uh, he said to me, right, you have to put a transfer, transfer request in. You know, you have to go and be firm. So I was like, yeah, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in. So I go in, uh, in Coops' office. And I said, Gaffer, look, this is not fair. I'm not happy with this. I just, I want to put a transfer request in. And Coop started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so awkward. 
And I started laughing as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm sort of, uh, I went in, like, um, I showed him myself that I'm going to, you know, lay, lay it out for him and uh, get the response. And in the end, we shook hands laughing. And he said, I'll see you training. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what he could do, Coop. So he, he was yeah. like that, wasn't he? You could, you, you could go in full of hell and want to go on guns blazing, but all of a sudden you, you see his face and you say something and he starts smiling. And you, and you sm automatically start smiling back. And you end up giving yeah. him a hug. You end up giving him a hug, even though you, 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 want, to be, you want to be getting him in the headlock, but you just give him a hug and you walk out and you're like, it's all, all sorted again. It's that's the way he was. You you, was you go in, you try to be serious, and he'll come up with a joke of something you said, and start laughing himself. Like you know what I laughed at? It's really belly laugh that he used to do. <laughs> and from being angry, you 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 started to want to laugh as well. And then you start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> It, it must have been a pleasure to play. I know we've covered this sort of thing in other podcasts, but I never tire of hearing about Neil. I mean, what were you, what were your thoughts about playing under him, Timmy? He must have been a, a joy at times, you know, because he was such a character. It was class, man. He was my first manager in, uh, in England, and uh, on that respect, I'm very lucky because he was such a laid-back guy. And, uh, you know, they, he found something funny out of everything, every situation. Yeah. So, I mean, that kept the atmosphere in the dressing room uh, very, very healthy and very positive. So, I mean, every now and then when we, you know, we had a bad game, he would, he would start giving it to us and we, know, we knew we were serious. But apart from that, you know, the next day he'd be still buzzing and joking around. And that made the whole atmosphere a really, really happy place to be around. Uh, I remember that incident with uh, Bells. Remember that things in Stockport with a bottle. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was in that game. I was injured, I think. Oh yeah. Was that Bells? Coops came in. Yeah, Stockport away. We got beat one 0 Yeah, I was in that game. I was injured, I think. And Coops came in and dressing room and started, you know, like proper hammering everyone. You know, going in Stockport and this and that and. Uh, he, he, he was he was hammering Nels for a while, and then he, Coops walks out, and Nels gets up hungry, drinking a bottle of Powerade, which we only had a sip to try to smash the bottle on the wall above my head. He just smashed it on my face. <laughs> 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 he threw it straight at you. I was there again. I was because we got B2 1. No, 1-0, I think. I was a 1-0, it must be a different one. Yeah. And he tried to smash it, like, as he was walking out, going out for fuck's sake and smash it on the wall. But I was sitting there, and he probably slipped off his hand and just went straight on my face like, <laughs> from, from a yard distance. So I went out, ah, like, screaming. And Mel's just kind of walking, and he went, sorry, dude. And he walked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously, man. For the next uh, seven days, I had a black <laughs> eye. Yeah, <laughs> tell me. Yeah, I had a black eye. I couldn't tell anyone was asking me how, you know, that that happened. So I was saying, I got an elbow in the, in the game. You know, it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> but that that breakthrough season for you then, Timmy, could hardly have gone better, really, could it? Because it obviously it culminated in, in the playoff final, but... Obviously, you made yourself a real hero down at Tranmere Rovers in that 
that second leg. You know, the, it, it, can you still vividly remember that game and and all the things that happened? Can you remember the key moments at least? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I I was really. Uh, you mentioned uh, the penalties, Mark. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about that again. <laughs> we'll just leave, leave the penalties out, Mark. Okay. <laughs> I, I was a. It was a surreal game, you know. We. We didn't play very well. Uh, we sort of trying to uh, safeguard what we had from the first game because yeah. we battered in the first game, really. Um, we thought we might make a goal uh, on the counter attack, but it didn't work like that. And for about 60 minutes, we were keeping it fairly controlled. And, uh, and obviously, the, the managed to, to equalize and became a bit of a, of a stressful game. But uh, no, I, I enjoyed that game, really. You know, I was in the zone, you know, sometimes uh, I was really sort of hyped to go into, into the game. Uh, and for a keeper, is because it's a, it's a unique position, it's when you get into action from the beginning of the game, that's why sometimes I say the most difficult games for a keeper is when you're quiet all game and you have to make one save in the end or you have to do something towards the end. If you don't do it, you know, it's a bad game. But if you're in the action involved all the whole time and you're warm in the game, it's it's, it's easy to keep your concentration. And that was a, a case, and I, I really enjoyed it. And in the end, obviously, it was Mark could have, could have done it a little less stressful, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. Yeah, I just wanted to give Lums um, some glory. You see, that's what. Oh I like. yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I saved, I saved two penalties. The only the only guy who ran to me was a uh, was both selector. Oh, is it Matty? <laughs> Matty Robson. Yeah. You're going to rewind. <laughs> Everyone ran in the homes because you put, a, put the penalty in. <laughs> I was on the floor with, with Matty Robson. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's forgotten probably that you were, you were you were excellent in that game itself, not just the penalties. That Everyone remembers the penalty save, but you, you, you performed really well in the game itself, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, had a, uh, I was pretty busy, you know. Done a few saves. Even now, sometimes I watch the game back, and I was, and I think, oh, I was, I, I was agile at some point in my career. <laughs> <laughs> and looking at the penalty, I remember we we did a little feature in my office uh, where we filmed you watching back the penalties, and I remember you saying that you just sensed something. It was Ian Sharps, wasn't it? Who missed the who you saved from that then yeah, game? Centre half, half, yeah. And I just. I just remember you saying you sensed something about his body language, Jimmy, that you didn't feel yeah. comfortable. Yeah, he didn't look confident coming in. Uh, like it looked like he didn't want to take the penalty. And yeah. usually, uh, when and you could you, you could you could see from the penalty the way he kicked it. You know, usually when the player is not confident about taking a penalty, he'll try to to be safe just to put on target. And his penalty was with his right foot on the on my right side, which is the most easy. Put place to put it, and not very much in the corner. So I thought, you know, you know, I give him a bit of mind games, a few jumps and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the, the reaction though. If I remember rightly, you didn't really like celebrate or anything. You just got up as if to say, "Oh yeah, well, I knew I was going to save that one." No, because <laughs> I saw things missing one, and I thought, "I'm not going to celebrate yet until I'm <laughs> the next one." Just as well. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I said if you swear words to you on that game, you know, underneath my 
you know, thinking, uh, talking to myself, why well, when you miss a penalty, oh, in Greek as well. No <laughs> <laughs> one going to mention anymore. That's uh, four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, I mean, thinks it was a great night. That wasn't it. You know, we talked about. I think when we when we spoke to you, it was fantastic. That moment when Dimmy saves the penalty and it all suddenly comes down to that spot kick was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, just, I think we we wanted to, if we could. Obviously, you could I guess how we went up. We wanted to work out as the Humps was going to Humps to take the penalty and score the winner because it went on what went on in the previous previous yeah. games against Cheltenham when you missed the penalty. Yeah, it just worked out perfectly. We obviously. Jimmy pulled some great things up on the night, and obviously the penalties. Um, and just to see Holmes go up, and like I said, I know he spoke the other night about the lads who, who, who stepped up early, early on to take the penalties. But for him to stand up to, to take another one um, for what he went through at Cheltenham, and obviously after that game, we we seen how down he was, and obviously we, as lads like we were, we were close knit, close knit um, um, players, and we kind of picked him up with a few jokes, but. Him to go down, walk down there in front of, um, front of the fans and live live TV audience, and, and, and put it in the back of the net was takes a lot of lot of lot of balls to do that. Now I was so so pleased and over the moon that um, that he put it in. Uh, I think it was a big relief to him, and you could see in his face and his celebration and how much he was screaming. All the lads just ran down and, and jumped on him and forgot about Dimmy. Sorry, Dim. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to run to you. That's on <laughs> And you hate running. <laughs> Otherwise, I was celebrating being match your own. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a, it was a tremendous night. It was it was great in the change rooms afterwards, and um, obviously going upstairs and and obviously onto the onto the final. Onto the final, yeah. I mean, Dimmy, what are your memories about that? You know, when you'd come across from Greece and you'd given up that five star hotel. That was the stuff that dreams were made of playing in a in a game like that, wasn't it? Yeah. No. Before the game, we're wearing a five-star hotel. What, what, what really um, stood for me from that game, uh, obviously things we remember it. I remember going on the bus towards Wembley and it was a sea of people, really. And the two horses or police horses in the front were opening up the crowd, you know, and we were just driving through it. Remember things? And I was thinking, yeah. oh, my God. And obviously you get fans. You played Wembley as well. Huh? Oh, it's a, he said Wembley. He got it wrong. It's Cardiff. <laughs> on it. Cardiff. <laughs> I've been at Wembley as well, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It was brilliant. You're right, Jim. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. We, the fans, either side of the coach was just. It was like an unbelievable feeling on 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 the coach with the lads, and we just. Um, and you look at the back of the coach, the lads just big smiles on the faces, the yeah. flags going either side of the coach. It was just just a tremendous feeling, really. I was really I was really buzzing for the game, you know. I was really wired up for the game. Uh, I didn't I, I can't remember feeling a lot of stress, really. You know what I mean? Or nerves. Uh, I actually I, I, I put it down due to my young age, really. Uh, I was only young because I felt. Feel, I remember feeling more um, sort of nerves before the game at the Middlesbrough playoff final. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Rather than the Hartlepool one. Obviously, I was I was older then, uh, but uh, it was a it was a brilliant game. And when I remember when we went two one up, when uh, uh, Big John Daly put the header in, 
I turned around and I was crossing myself, you know, like like that. I was thinking, oh, this, this could happen. This could happen. <laughs> it was amazing, wasn't it? Amazing. It always strikes me, and it's it's agonising to watch. I don't know how many times you two have watched it back, if any at all, but the penalty that goes in that Stephen McLean scores past you, you're so close to stopping it. Like I split second, like I went, I knew he was going to go for safety to put it with pace. And I thought he was going to go with his right foot to my right side. And he just went a bit more to the middle. And I got some, something with my, with, my, with my left hand. It wasn't enough. I was, I was gutted. Because I was thinking, you, you, you save this. You, that's it. We're going up. We, 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 it was a question that Mickey asked um, Last week, and 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 Humps, to be fair, didn't didn't get involved in it. But it's a good debate, I think. Good question. If VAR is in that game, is that a penalty? Is it a red card? No, for me, no. Hundred percent, no. no, no. I, I was in front of the situation. The guy took a touch. Uh, Wesley was behind him, and Wesley is not pulling him or anything else. He's he's just obviously trying to keep his balance. And then the guy falls over. He wasn't going to get the ball anyway because I went and, and, and picked it up. I've done it, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And when, actually, when the ref blew the whistle, I thought he blew a, a foul on me because he tackled uh, the lad and he, and he got me on the, on the legs. And I thought, it's a free kick. When he showed the penalty, I was, I was swearing. I went to him swearing at him in Greek. <laughs> And he and he actually spoke to me in Greek because he's been to Greece for many years. Unfortunate. <laughs> and he said to me in Greek, "I understand what you're saying." And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, he still broke this referee, by the he way. Was, he? he had some stories about him, didn't he? The chairman. Oh, the chairman. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear me. We had a we had a letter in at the club. I don't know if you saw the Ken Hodcroft edition, Dimmy. But the, the chairman said that well, there was there was a letter came in that got posted over the bank holiday weekend that said there was going to be a dodgy penalty, and it obviously was postmarked before the, the weekend. Joking. So ridiculous. Well, yeah, it, it got that... posted and it, it didn't arrive at the club until after the game because it was a bank holiday weekend. It's a bit strange. Oh, well. That is strange. You tell us now we can speak Greek as well. So what's going on with this referee? <laughs> 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 Something's not right. Everything is sort of adds up here. Well, that must have been an amazing experience. You know, the result aside, I mean, for did did you have your family? Did did all your family get across for the game? Were they watching on telly in Greece, Timmy? How did it work? No, they, they were watching it. Uh, you know, on telly from Greece. Uh, my mum and my sister. They don't. Uh, my, my sister can't watch games uh, right. for me playing because she gets too stressed. <laughs> she just takes she takes the car and starts driving around the block <laughs> until the game's finished. And my mom is to, my mom is to drink a bowl of whiskey just to calm my nerves down. it was a superb superb occasion um, that, that probably should have <clears throat> something. But the following season, we we've tended to skate over the following season in lots of these podcasts. I've got to be honest because. You know, the relegation and everything was completely blown away by 2006-07 season when Danny Wilson came in and, and obviously just galvanised everyone at the football club. And, you know, it, it just it was just an incredible campaign, wasn't it? Demi, you played a, a full part in that. It was amazing, amazing season. It was, 
it was brilliant. Uh, I remember that summer I had a real, there was a real interest. The MK Dons were trying to buy me. Uh, Martin Allen was a manager. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I remember him really trying to, to get me because he wanted a big keeper, blah, blah, blah. And uh, my agent back then, he was saying, maybe you have to push the club to let you go. And then I spoke to Danny Wilson when he, uh, when he first came to the club. I just said, no, I'm happy, I'm happy to be here for now. Uh, it's not a problem with me, you know. I can, I can see something happening, you know. And, and I knew that, that that season didn't kick off for at least one third of the campaign. We were struggling at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, I think when we all gelled together, it was, we were just, we were unbeatable. You know, we went a full uh, one round unbeaten, didn't we? 23 yeah. games. 23 games unbeaten, yeah. And that was the that was the chance, wasn't it? We are unbeatable that season. Yeah, yeah. And it was a memorable season because obviously we played Dalo, uh, home and away, we beat them twice. You know, I think the, the fans really enjoyed that season and so did we. That Darlington game, um, I think I think Holmes mentioned it was, you made an unbelievable save. I think, I watched it yesterday, I think. Is it like a, a deflected free kick almost that's creeping into the top corner and you, you flipped yeah. off the bar and I think that's a pretty crucial point in the game as well. Yeah, it was nil-nil, I think, at the time. And he, he tried to hit the pace and deflected one of the lad's legs. And went to the top bin. But as I said, I was agile back then. <coughs> Prod said to me after, oh, it's for the camera season. You should have caught it. I was like, Prod, give me some credit. <laughs> I think you, you were commentating with me that game, weren't you, Tinks? It was an incredible afternoon at Dalek that day. Yeah, we obviously, I thought we dominated from start to finish. We looked in a different in a different level of Dalton. I thought that, that, that game um, played some great football, scored some... Great goals and obviously Demi pulled that great save off. So yeah, from start to finish we dominated the game and we we obviously um I think it was was a four one a finish. Three three, three nil away game, yeah, three nil. Three nil, I think so, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Clean things. Come on, man. Don't even uh, tell you why you're saying four one is because we beat them four one at the Vic that time when you scored. Ah, that's right, that's, that's yeah, what's in the head, yeah. <laughs> 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 you made a habit of beating Dalek, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they did. They never got years, did they? <laughs> I mean, that season though, Dimmy, you talk about, you know, the records that got broken and the, you know, in terms of, you know, the clean sheets. Um, I think we kept seven clean sheets in a row at one point, which still stands as a club record. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that the 25 clean sheets you kept is, a, is an all-time club record as well that year. I mean, that's yeah. a enormous pride looking back with, you know, reflecting on that now. I remember Danny Wilson before he came. <laughs> Uh, he was such a good motivator, you know what I mean? Like man manager, uh, keeping the players, you know, switched on the whole time. Yeah. He came, I was just about to go out for warm-up and he stops me at the, the door of the dressing room and he goes, Timmy, what's your middle name? I said, I think we haven't got middle names in Greece. So usually our parents, no, it's clean sheet. walked <laughs> 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 away. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it's quite clever for, for him, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a good thing to say to, to a goalkeeper when you're actually going out for warm-up before a game. Thanks. When you were in the dressing room, was it Adalo when he just put the, the eight miles on? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I came Towers on the head. <laughs> <laughs> we were, was everyone in the dressing room? Were you in the dressing room for that as well, yeah? 
Yeah. Put the towels over your head, lads, and he puts an M in M on. <laughs> yeah, he did that one. Mickey was on about that the other week, wasn't he? Yeah. Mickey mentioned that, yeah. Uh, I, could, I could see, I could see a few heads like nodding, like laughing. Under the <laughs> but like, like Holmes said, it did, it did the trick, I suppose. It got everyone in the zone. No, I did. It did. Obviously, he had like uh, kicks like that that he could. They seemed odd, that's you know, at the time. But he actually did the job, you know, to to give a confident boost to the team. Yeah, he was great. Dan, Dan was a, Danny was a good. A good coach and a good man manager. You know how to deal with players. You know how to get the best out of players. But on the field, he was really, really good at his, his job and really thorough in everything he did and prepared the players and the team right for the, for the games coming up. He, he was great on, on, on both sides, really. That doesn't surprise me, Dimmy, either the way that you described it there of him coming in and persuading you that not you don't need to go anywhere, lad. This is this is the place you need to be. That's just right up. I can imagine Danny doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. He was. I don't know, about a 10-minute talk we had. You know, obviously, I never I never met him before uh, until then. Uh, but since the first minute you speak to him, you should, he seemed so assured. And he, he can uh, <clears throat> transmit that to you. And obviously, knowing his, uh, his, his CV, working in the Premier League and yeah. so many clubs and his experience, after five minutes, I thought, yeah, I think we'll... I remember one year. I don't know. I don't know what season it was, but I remember we were at um, at, uh, at Maiden Castle, and there was a few of the lads after training. Some were doing shooting practice, and some would like set up a wheelie bin just outside the changing rooms door, and they were trying to chip a ball from about twenty yards into the wheelie bin, and nobody nobody could do it. Every, they were there about 15, 20 minutes trying to chip this ball into a wheelie bin, while Dan was finishing off. Danny was finishing off for the shooting practice. And the shooting practice finished. Danny walked into the dressing room, and as he walked past, the ball was like set up, ready to take. And he didn't even break stride; he just chipped it at the wheelie bin and just kept on walking and went to the dressing room. It was brilliant. Oh, he's, a, he's a great technician, Dan. But Jimmy, can I ask? Sorry, Mark. Can I just want to ask you? Um, obviously, when we the seasons ended and we been through the playoffs and obviously playoff final two season. I mean, obviously went to Magaluf at the end of the season. Did, did you as a, a young lad used to go where go where we are, mates, when when you were in Greece or certain certain parts of Spain or go away with your mates or was it just when you come to that and you went with a, a few um few daft lads to, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, yeah, no, it doesn't happen in Greece, mate. There's no other group that's been as crazy as the group we had in Hannibal back then. <laughs> So I don't think it happens anywhere else, mate. It was just us. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did you make of it? Like, you know, all the lads going away, and like, obviously you and Joel, uh, obviously were really close, and going away to, to Magaluf for three or four days, and obviously uh, the laughs we had there, we, we, it was great for the for the team spirit that we had, and it kept it going for the following season, wasn't it, I think? Everything was, was new to me. Uh, I, I loved everything, you know what I mean? The, from the... Organization to, from the idea to go in there, I was the first one, first one to jump in. Uh, to how we were there and how close it wasn't like a like military organization. Everyone could do whatever they wanted, but we all wanted to be together. We wanted to stay tight. Obviously, a few of us go missing during the night, but in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but that was that was a good thing, wasn't it? The, the the social aspect we've spoken about it. We've spoken about it a little bit in in earlier squads, but it it was it was a big big part of the success of Hartlepool United was that social aspect and how well you all got on together. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I believe uh, a massive percentage of a successful team is is the bonding that the players have and the right characters in the team and being like doing uh, being close together uh, in with, with Hartlepool then we had it you know 100% we used to have a Tuesday club remember because we were off on Wednesdays we used to have a Tuesday club and go out on a Tuesday a few of us like most of us uh, and have a night out even during the week uh, and that kept us going because there was no there was never there was competition with, with, within the team but it's always healthy competition because, you know, if you spend a lot of time with someone, it becomes your friend. You can't see him as your rival anymore, even if you play in the same position. You see him as your friend. Obviously, you're both trying to play, but no, there's no bad intentions in it. And I think that's the, that's the key. We, we had a good squad with Middlesbrough when we went out that season. Obviously, not not as close as doing those things as back then with Hartlepool. But that shows that I've been in two clubs, both successful at the time. Both the dressing rooms were really close. I think that's important. I think as a, I think as you did develop your team or your squad over, over three or four years, and you, yeah, we all want to play. We want to play every game, but obviously we all twenty players can't play. But I think if you're together for three or four years and you develop that team spirit, that camaraderie, and that, that real friendship that we, I think we had there. Sets you in good stead for the for the following years and that development and, and winning games and pushing each other to get in that team and the, the competitive edge in, in training games was was, was so competitive. You, yeah. you can be friends off the field. As soon as you cross that white line, there was there was tackles going in, there was handbags flying about, it was pushing and shoving when we didn't get out and somebody didn't score, somebody made a bad tackle or it was really competitive and I had arguments like we have said before, I had arguments with Holmes. Gums didn't really like a tackle every now and then, but yeah, that's, that's the way some of us were. It was competitive training. That's that's the way we, we, we did our jobs every day, and everybody gets on that on that same path. And you and you create a good, healthy environment where you're competitive in training, and, and when you go into games on a Saturday, which is which is massively important if you want to be a successful squad or, or team. I hate I hate the shooting drills. I hate all the all the stick you were giving me. Oh, Jesus. Right. Remember that time? Where were you there when I was chasing? When I started chasing Michael Potter? Remember when I started chasing Michael Potter? Yeah. When he tried to chip you? Yeah. When he tried to chip you? I remember no, that. No, no, he didn't try to chip me. You know, you, you were doing shooting. And every every time a goal going in, he was saying, put a keeper in or, or put your gloves on oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And I told him yeah. from the beginning, I said to him, look, I'm not in the mood. Just cut it out. And he carried on, and I just lost. <laughs> and I remember facing him on the on the pitch, and he was running, and I was trying to chicken leg him, but he was too fast, and I couldn't get it. <laughs> I'm sure he chipped you, Jimmy. Uh, Damn in that. Um, yeah, in that yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the last shot, he chipped me. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, Jim, you can't you can't enjoy everything about my growth. When that time you and Joe were late, and you had to down half a, I think it was half a glass of um, oh. what was it? Oh, was it? Was, was it Bacardi? Was it or whiskey or something? Whiskey, something like that. Yeah, yeah that'd be down, down for 11 o'clock at the breakfast. 
Um, yeah. Jimmy and Joe were late, and they both got half a glass of whiskey. <laughs> oh, I couldn't yeah, have done it before. Yeah, they did it. They, they, they downed it, and we still got it again. Because you had to every every half an hour that you laid, you had to do a shot. So we were laid about a couple of hours because we were knackered. We had to do nearly half a bottle. Oh, what a start <laughs> of the day! <laughs> you you and Joel, as you, as we said before, you got you got really tight, and you're really really friendly. You know, and you're obviously probably still in touch now because you you spent a lot of time together, and you just got on like a house on fire, didn't you? Yeah, we had such a good chemistry, you know. We were roommates in the, the games, uh, every day hanging out together. Obviously, at the time, he had his family, uh, but I, well, I, didn't, I didn't have uh, any, any kids or family back then. Uh, but we just did everything together, and it was really enjoyable. Like, you know, the banter we had together, he was uh, that Aussie. Uh, uh, in the beginning, strange guy who um, he was a he was a bit ditzy at times. You know what I mean? Also ditziness. <laughs> I was it was so funny when I, the stories I've got. It's it's for another for, for a different show. Well, <laughs> we Mark, we we knew obviously Jimmy and Joe out in Hartlepool, um, but we we love listening to stories um, after the weekend or the other way. We had such a laugh in the changing room more what they what they been what happened and stuff like that. Bar Paris, Bar Paris, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he loved the he loved the night out. He loved the night out. <laughs> <laughs> um, when it came to leaving, it's interesting you mentioned about you know staying on at the club when you you possibly could have uh, left the previous summer. I, I remember. Um, Ken, the chairman, ringing me up and saying, look, Mark, we're going to have to put a statement out. Unfortunately, Dimmy's going to be leaving. Um, but the statement was so positive because he has been, you know, quite cold with players who've left in the past. But yours, I remember he was very, very keen for us to say he leaves with our best wishes. I think we did an interview with you. He was very keen for it to leave on good terms. I suppose that's because you showed respect to the club the previous year and, you know, and, and helped the club achieve the goals of, of 2006-07. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think obviously the chairman and everybody appreciated how I came to the club, you know, from you know being unknown and starting, you know, very low wages and not really never made a created an issue, you know. I, I took everything uh, along and just worked my way up, and you know, I ended up having interest from uh, from championship clubs, uh, which I thought that. that um, stage of my career, I, I had to take, you know, to challenge myself uh, higher. Uh, and uh, I had I had an offer, obviously, from Hartlepool. It was a really good offer, long-term offer. And I just I just felt I needed to, you know, to try higher. Uh, and uh, there was no grudges, you know. Um, I spoke to uh, was it Steve in charge at the time? Uh, at the end of that season. Yeah, uh, 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 when you left, it would have been Danny still, I think. Oh yeah, Danny was yeah, yeah. I think yeah, but I think it was uh, was Steve the the assistant manager. Steve was the assist. He was um, he was coach when when we went down the previous year in five six. Um, yeah, but I, I remember having a chat, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, obviously they offered me a decent contract for the long long term, uh, and and I said, look. I'm, I'm flattered and I really appreciate it, but I need to do this because 
I think it's no one said anything, you know, just shook hands. And I think that was the case with uh, with Ken. And uh, he, he he told me later that there was a lot of interest during my time in Hollywood from clubs. Yeah. But they didn't feel that they needed to sell. Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Uh, they needed to keep the best players. And you know, I, I said I never, I never kicked off. I never caused any problems. So, and I think he appreciated that. And I think it was a very very healthy relationship and. You know, he ended up really in a very positive spirit. I think that's great, for, great for you, Jim. Coming, well, obviously coming from Greece and yeah. um, leaving, being to come down to Pool and, and having that success when you did, and having that opportunity to move to a, a championship club. It just shows how um, sometimes you take a risk at times, and um, and you work hard, and it shows how, how far you've come to, to getting that move to to Comrie at the time. Yeah, it's all. I think it's all about mentality. I think that's what. If if I learn anything from uh, from my career, is it's this that when you're young, yes, you you have aspirations, you have dreams, but you have to realize that you can't get from nothing to everything, you know, uh, straight away. You need to make sacrifices, and you need most of all, you need to put your head down. Because if you if you start um, spinning your dummy out, or if you're not giving your best, you're only hurting yourself, really. You're not getting better. You're not uh, developing. You're not progressing, and that shows uh, to the manager and whoever is the manager or the team you're in. You're only going to hurt yourself uh, in the end. And I think that's that's one thing I, w- I would take and I would say to any young footballer uh, as an advice for my career. And I'm sure I'm sure you agree things because w- when you're young, is you, you sometimes you, you your emotions are above your head. And uh, you want to rush into decisions or do things or say things, but it's important to carry on working and and believe that you can you can go further. And the people there are going to be people who don't believe in you. So that's that's normal. But as long as you're working hard, you can prove them wrong. Uh, I think that's what I did with Harlepool and with uh, Middlesbrough twice. Yeah, you're right. I think you've, you've got to give yourself the best opportunity as a young player, so that your best opportunity is. Working as hard as you possibly can to improve in, um, in every area of your, of your game as well. So, yeah, definitely. Totally, totally agree with that, Jim. Yeah. He obviously went back to Greece for a spell after that. And, uh, you know, I, a few loan spells and in the, in the injury you had uh, curtailed the, the stuff in England. You went back to Greece and you ended up playing for, you know, AK Athens, which is one of the, presumably, one of the biggest clubs. I, I don't think it went so well on the, but it, it, to play for them must have been um, a big buzz for it. Yeah, I went uh, after after my contract finished at Coventry uh, to a smaller club, uh, uh, Corfu. Yeah. Uh, just got promoted to the Premier League in Greece, and the the, the chief executive had experience from the UK working here, and uh, he sort of persuaded me to, to join join them. And at first, we were doomed to go back down. You know, not a very big budget. Uh, the squad wasn't. The best was from the, the division below, but uh, we did have a good group there as well, and we did really well. And I, I, I managed to get the goalkeeper of the season award in the end, and the, the best eleven of the season. Uh, and I got my national team uh, caps, uh, and that got me uh, moved to AK Athens, which the first year was was brilliant because we were still financially healthy, uh, we had a great squad. Big players, Johnson. Uh, uh, we had a 
big names from Greece that played won the Euro 2004. Yeah. Uh, we did really well. But then the second year, everything deteriorated, everyone left. Uh, the club owed money to a lot of players, still owed money to me. And uh, they end up being uh, relegated to fourth division because of financial reasons. Okay. And, you know, it didn't end well, but I enjoyed my time there. And when you went back to Greece and, and had that move, did you ever anticipate that you'd one day be back in England? I could, I could, I can, I can never say never to football. That's one thing I've uh, learned. You know, things can change like a week to week. Never mind years. So I, I always kept my options open because my wife from is English. She's from Harlepool, so I'll always have a tie uh, to to England. And I knew at some point I might be back. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just it was it happened under strange. Circumstances, because uh, I was here basically on holiday, and I got the call from Middlesbrough. Uh, but uh, no, it, as I said, it, it, out of nothing, as long as you you believe in yourself, you can you can create anything you want. And, and suddenly, when you turn up at Middlesbrough, you've got Tinks there every day again. I know I can't get away from him. <laughs> I nearly turned that down because of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more sensible now, though, Mark. <laughs> no, I, I, obviously, I was I was in the office when um when Tony Tony was Tony Moore was managing. Obviously, per, it was Percy who phoned you, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darky phoned me first, and Darky. then Percy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was in the office. We obviously working with the under 18s with with Colin Cooper at the time, and um Tony was in the office and Vino and obviously Stephen. I heard them talking about. She fetching a keeper, and then I heard Dimmy's, Dimmy's name get mentioned. Obviously, it spiraled from there. And obviously, Dimmy came to the club, and, and the rest of history really. He had a fantastic um, six years, Dim. Six years, yeah. Yeah, fantastic six years. Unbelievable. Tony uh, said to me when I first when I first came in the office, and I signed, he said, mine, bearing in mind, I only signed for like uh, six months until January. He said to me, look, you know, you, you do well here. You come and take your crosses and, uh, and and stop the shots, you might be here for the next five years. And I've been successful. How did you find it? How did you find it, Dim, coming to Middlesbrough then? Obviously, the who was the first choice goalkeeper at the time? Steely was the number one. Oh, Jason was uh, there. Jason was number one, yeah. Yeah, he had a what, slight what, injury. What did Stephen, what did Percy say to you when you, when you, when you signed then? Did he say you, you get opportunity or... Were you there just to, to be a assistant goalkeeper or? No, he, um, he said, we didn't speak about that. I, I sort of knew the situation by just before I got to that. You know what I mean? It was it was a case of uh, Middlesbrough having Chaser still as number one, third and number two. And obviously the manager rated those two goalkeepers and they needed someone because uh, Steely got a bit of an injury and they needed a backup for the next couple of games really. And help in training, but as I say, in football you can't rule anything out. So I didn't walk in there with the mentality of oh, just, I'm just going to train here, yeah. be on the bench when needed. I walked in with waiting for a chance, and uh, yeah. as it turned out, obviously it came, and um, I made sure I, I'd be right to take it. Yeah. Obviously, you have to be you have to be fortunate at some point for some things to go for you. Do you know what I mean? And it did for me. 
yeah, you, you have to take it as well when it's presented. I remember you saying that when you first signed for Hartlepool. I don't, you won't probably remember, but I think you'd been away on a course with a few different goalkeepers or you'd been somewhere training with some top Premier League goalkeepers. And I remember you saying, you know, sometimes it's about just getting that chance. You know, you, sometimes you, you, your ability might be as good as somebody who's playing in a division higher or even higher than that. It's just about being in the right place or being given that chance to shine. 100%. I think that in every sport, just football, you need to have that bit of luck sometimes because uh, you could have all the ability, but if circumstances are right or things go bad for you, uh, you're not going to go as far as you can. As you can go. And uh, I think any footballer you ask, any successful footballer will tell you the same, but they have situations in their career that things went for them and they were the right time, the right place, or under the right manager yeah. uh, to get that chance or uh, to get that move. You know, it, it plays, plays, plays a big part, I think. And obviously you went on to have really good success at Middlesbrough and you, you had a great affinity with the supporters there as well. They seem to really take to you. Yeah, it's the same uh, same story as Hollywood, really. You know, they I think Middlesbrough supporters appreciated the fact where I came. They didn't know me really. You know, they knew me as a goalkeeper who played for used to play for Hollywood, uh, and they, they saw that I came in as a backup. Yeah. I've applied myself well in training. I never caused a problem. I always was professional and go to number one, and you know got promotion and broke records and stuff. And I think people appreciate that to see um, hard work being being re repaid, really. And in terms of the Middlesbrough thing, obviously, they, they got it. Does, it. does it frustrate you that you didn't get possibly the opportunity to, to shine at the very top level with Middlesbrough? Yeah, massively. It was very frustrating. I uh, just, I didn't know why I wasn't even looked, looked at from one season, from two seasons in a row, being number one and doing well and, you know, breaking every record really the club had, uh, gaining promotion to all of a sudden, you know, not being involved at all with the squad. It was bad no one, no one spoke to me really. No one explained to me what's happening. Uh, but then again, I didn't, cause any, any issues. I asked if they didn't want me to be here or they wanted me to look for something else. Because from my previous season, I had, I had uh, a lot of interest from at least championship clubs. They, they wanted to, to get me. But they said to me, no, uh, we want you to be here, we want you to push. Which didn't make sense because I, was, I, was, I, was, I went from number one to number three all of a sudden and it was, uh, it was a bit strange. Yeah, I'd love the opportunity to play in the in the Premier League. That was everyone's everyone's dream. And I I said it before, I didn't I, I wasn't asking for the share to be given to me because well we've done last season. I just wanted a chance. If I'm not good enough, fair enough. You know, change me. I'll be the first one to to say, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not doing a good job. But I thought Did I was not mention anything, yeah? Did Leo not pull you up? No, uh, no. I was basically I was I was seeing at the press speculation about keepers. Then two keepers came. Uh, 
then at some point, Leo only said to me, we want you here, we want you to push, to challenge, and all that. And I, I believed him sort of thing. I thought, you know, they might look, look at me as well if things go wrong. But then yeah. we weren't doing well. Uh, we weren't winning games and still didn't get a chance. And that's the frustrating yeah. thing. How, how do you find um, Victor Valdez? Uh, yeah, it's it was it wasn't the the best professional. Let's put it that way that I that I worked with. Uh, I was expecting a lot more from him uh, when he first joined. Obviously, uh, being such a lucrative player, won pretty much everything. Played for the biggest clubs in, in in the world. I was expecting to see a more professional and someone who could still learn from. Uh, but it wasn't the best character to be around. I, 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 never, I don't say, I rarely say that for, for any fellow goalkeeper, but if you ask, I will tell you the same. It wasn't enjoyable to work with him in training. Yeah, obviously I, I spoke to people and obviously I was at the club when he was there. And um, um, obviously the goalkeeping coach still took him at times. He, like you just said there, he, he wasn't great. and. I think that made it difficult. I know some of the younger lads come down to train, didn't they? Some of the younger coach, uh, younger goalkeepers. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. I don't think it's it's good for them to see, like like you say, like a, a Barcelona legend um, won everything in the game to 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 go on the way he did in, in some of the sessions, like, like like you spoke about, and it doesn't set a good example for the for the younger lads, really. Yeah, I think uh, he, he came to the club. You know, when you go in the club and you believe you're, you're bigger than the club. You think you can pretty much do anything you want, and no one's there to tell you that that's not the case. Yeah. I think that was a, that was the situation at the time, and he was, you know, he was being the spoiled child of the the squad at the time. I think, and, uh, no one would tell him off, and he could get away with anything he wanted. Yeah. Mm. What, on reflection, then, Dimmy, looking back on you, you know, as a as a young boy with you know, gravel in your, your knees and blood all over your knees, diving around and running up the hill of that that football field back home. I mean, you've, you've pretty much had a fantastic career, haven't you, looking across the whole, the breadth of your 20-odd your 20, 20 years as a footballer. Look, the experiences I have and the memories I have from my uh, professional career, it's, it's, they're unbelievable. You know, I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of things, a lot of... Uh, different countries. I met hundreds of different people. I played with uh, great players uh, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Obviously, there's ups and downs, but that's how it is. That's what makes it more special, I think. And uh, in the end, if you, if you finish your career with loads of memories and lots of stories to tell to your kids and uh, to everyone else, I think that's, uh, that's all that was a career uh, worthwhile the time. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I totally agree. I think if, if you look back on your on your time or as a footballer, like you say, if you've got you've had success, um, whatever level you played, you, you count different levels as success or type of player you are. But the times you had as a, as a player and um, meeting fantastic people and working with some some great coaches, great managers, and, and like you say, traveling the world, it, it doesn't come doesn't come much better being a being a player. I, I think uh, I know. Some players say, "Oh, they, they don't miss the playing. They missed um, they missed the changing room banter with the lads and the crack." But I, 
I miss I miss the playing. I, I miss walking out in in front of the fans and um, knowing there's you've got to win or you've got to go out there and do your best. So yeah, um, the pressure of it and all the excitement of going to travelling to a game and whether you're on the coach with the players or you're you travelling to, to your home home stadium. I miss all that and that competitive edge when you walk out on across that white line on a Saturday or or Tuesday night. It's, I don't think there's anything beats it. Yeah, it's, 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 I, agree. I love coaching, but playing them games and, and being part of a, of a team like that, it, it, nothing comes close, really. That's, a, that's, that's the thing. You know, when, you, when you get there, when you are a player and you have that, it gives you that focus for, the, for your whole life, really. And obviously, as, as you know, things, being a, a professional footballer, that even everyday training, it, could affect your everyday life. Oh, you know, our, our families sometimes had to suffer of us being in the mood because you, you were, we were shit in training or, you know, didn't have a good game and you take it out of home at some point. But that's how it is. You have that focus, you have that drive to, 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 to better yourself and to do well for, for your team. And it's, that's why I say we're, we're lucky because you don't get that in many aspects of uh, different jobs in life and you know that that excitement that, that that drive to to do well yeah definitely well Timmy thanks thanks very much indeed for joining us on Switcher Player we really thoroughly enjoyed looking back on your time over you've had a laugh as well it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure seriously it's like it's like talking like a quite normal conversation what we do if we met for, for a drink that's why I enjoy it um, yeah cheap Cheers, Jimmy. Good to see you again, mate. Hope to see you soon, pal. You too, pal. You too. And best of luck with your coaching badges. We'll see you soon, mate. Thank you. Cheers, boys. See you later. Well, Tinks, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Jimmy was great value, wasn't he? Yeah, what a character. Yeah, he's great, Jimmy. Like I said, it, it was interesting to see um, speak about when he was in the hotel in Spain and um, obviously got a call from his ears. He's ready to sign for a club, then come, come yeah. to for him. It's a big risk to take because you don't know what, what he's coming into. He doesn't know he's going to get off with a contract. But um, fantastic the way that it went went for him. And obviously, he's had a fantastic career. Absolutely brilliant. And he, he comes across so well. Like I'm, I'm, He always did in interviews and ch- chatting to him and that. He must have been a joy in the dressing room when he got to know him. Yeah, they were, honestly, Mark, they were great lads in there. And obviously, Dimmy and Joe, would, would, they'd become really close them two. And... Like I said, on a, sometimes after the weekend, if we used to come in on a Monday morning and look forward to the stories that them two had, whether they'd been in, in Hartlepool or wherever they'd been, because there were so many they had. Um, but yeah, they, were, they, were, they were part of the dressing room. We had we were great characters and, that, um, and obviously part of, part of um, the success we had at the time at the club. I was going to say, they might have liked the night out, but DMA, they'd certainly put in some performances for the club, didn't they? Yeah, oh, Dimmy... Dummy, Dimmy at times was unbelievable with, it, with some of the saves he made. Um, and obviously Joel as well, with the quality he had in, in the in the tack and third and the goals he scored. But yeah, brilliant Dimmy. I'm so pleased from that. He's um, had the success he had, taking that taking that chance and coming over to Hartlepool. And um, obviously, like I said, lots and lots of games in, in English football. And obviously, I think he made his, he played for his national team as well, which is fantastic yeah. for him as well. And finally, I just want to say thank you to you as well, Tings, for, for coming on and, 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 and stepping into the Mickey Barron shoes for us this week. Have you enjoyed it? Yes, it's been good, Mark. I really enjoyed it. Um, but you'll, you'll get the legend uh, Mickey back next week. So. <laughs> Only on loan. <laughs> yeah, just on loan. <laughs> no, it's been great. Uh, thanks for asking us. I really enjoyed it. Obviously, 
chatting to Demi. Obviously, I've seen, seen Demi quite a bit over the years working in Middlesbrough. Um, but yeah, it's been great. And um, thanks for asking us.